Have you ever caught yourself just kind of glossing over the details in Bible stories or familiar Bible passages? I know I have caught myself doing that so many times. You just, you read the same verses and you go through the same details and it just kind of drones on after a while. But then there is this moment, this moment when after a season of prayer or you're reading a different translation or you're going through a unique you know, time in your life, when all of a sudden the story comes alive, it just clicks. I had a moment like that back in April and I can't wait to share what I got from this story with all of you. My name is Adam Shaw and this is The Restorationist. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. I sincerely appreciate it. Do not take for granted your time. All of you that share these episodes with your friends and family, take the time to write a review. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. I know this content that we're going through is a bit different than what is normally here on The Restorationist. Normally, we're talking about leadership concepts or interviewing preachers and pastors But I feel like the unique season that we're in, in the world right now and as leaders, lends itself to some different kind of content. I wanna share with you what's been going on in my devotional life and what God has been dealing with me about through prayer and fasting. One of the great big ideas that kind of governs everything we do here at The Restorationist is the idea or the concept of increasing capacity. And there are all sorts of sources of, of capacity, increasing knowledge that, that we, can, we can pull from. But here's, here's where I'm at, if I can just be completely honest with you. I have found myself more than ever leaning on foundational practices such as prayer, fasting, and the reading of the Bible to guide me and direct me. We are in uncharted territory as leaders, as people. So whatever stage of, of reopening you're at as, as a pastor or as a church leader or whatever attempt to return to normal life you are as a follower of Jesus Christ, the fact of the matter is we've never been in a moment like this in our generation or in our lifetime ever before. And I have discovered that if I want to not just survive but thrive and increase my capacity as a leader, that right now more than ever I need to be laser focused on what God is trying to say to all of us through his word. And so I found myself a little while ago in this unique season of devotion. I was stressed out. I was worried about where I fit and what I'm supposed to do and what life and leadership and ministry was going to look like for me. Maybe maybe that that never crossed your mind. Maybe you're just like, you know, I guess we're all going to be hanging out at the house for a while. But, but for me, I was, I, was, I was stressed out. This was stressing me out. And so I turned to the word of the Lord and I turned to prayer and I decided I was going to start reading the New Testament and studying it intensely. And I was going to start at the book of Matthew. And I found myself reading the Christmas story passages that we normally read during December 
But given the season that we're in right now, these stories took on a fresh new life and fresh new meaning. And the passage I want to draw your attention to that God has been using to change the way I think so that I can increase capacity as a leader spiritually and mentally and emotionally to address the season that lies ahead for my church and the people that I lead and influence. I I want to share that with you today. So Matthew chapter 2, I want to read you verses 13 and verse 14. Again, familiar story. It says, now when they had departed, that's the wise men, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, that's Joseph, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Now, I'm used to reading that story. I read it to my son, uh, now that now that I'm a dad, my wife and I, every Christmas, we sit down, we read this story. I'm used to my dad reading it to me. And I just was like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. They had to go to Egypt. And uh, that, that must have been, that's neat. Jesus got to live in another country for a while. But during this season, as I approach this text through fresh eyes, really wanting some some word from the Lord for the season that I was in, it's like the drama of this moment finally clicked. I want you to imagine it with me. Joseph is in the middle of a very good sleep. Doesn't happen very often when you've got a baby in the house and Jesus is now a toddler. Jesus may have been around two-ish, not really quite sure, but but this is this is not in the stable anymore. This is, this is not surrounded by all the animals. They, they're now hopefully getting a little settled in whatever place that they were now living. And Joseph has finally got that sweet release of sleep where he is just dead to the world. And all of a sudden, an angel appears and starts shouting at him in his sleep to get up, to wake up. Say, get up, get up right now and leave for Egypt, not tomorrow, not in a few hours, but immediately. And the reason why this supernatural visitor is trying to shake Joseph out of this sweet slumber that he is in is because King Herod, evil King Herod, is coming to kill baby Jesus. Now, as a father, I can't imagine anything worse than the threat of violence against my son, the kind of fear that that would just, it would be overwhelming. And so J- Joseph, I want, I want you to let your imagination go right now. He wakes up, he's in a cold sweat, and he rolls over and he's shaking his wife, Mary, Mary, we got to get up right now. We got to get up because Herod wants to slaughter our son. Imagine how frantic those first few moments must have been as, as, the word that came through the angel finally finally kind of took root in their hearts. This is happening. There is soldiers. There are soldiers coming right now to kill us and kill our baby. 
How panicked would those first few moments would have been as they're running, trying to throw clothing and belonging and baby food into bags, trying to untie a donkey and going and waking up a baby in the middle of the night, trying to shush him and get him to be quiet just in case they are close by. They swoop Jesus out of bed and they flee under a cover of darkness. And they live as foreigners and refugees in a country that is not their own until King Herod dies. Now, the plot of this, it sounds like an incredible movie, but a nightmare to live. This sounds like a story full of drama that would be, you know, really cool to read about in a great novel, but imagine if this was your real and actual life. These two verses that I read, they are full of panic, they are full of danger, they are full of threats, and they are full of chaos. They tell the story of a young family desperately trying to outrun a homicidal maniac. In my head, I can hear Joseph's muttered prayers. I can hear the tension in his voice as he tells Mary to hurry. I can hear in my, in my imagination the wail of baby Jesus as he has woken up suddenly and is afraid. And I can hear the soft crying of Mary as she whispers a prayer to God, reminding him of the promise that he gave her that this child would be Emmanuel, God with us. This is a wild moment. It's crazy. It would have been absolutely horrifying to live through as a parent. Chaos, danger, panic ruled this night that they were in. The question is to what end was this crisis? What is the point? Why is this happening? No doubt that's what would... What Joseph was saying, if not out loud in his heart, he may have thought that after they were on the on the back of that donkey and trying to head into the desert under the cover of night, no doubt those thoughts were running through his mind. Why is this happening to us? Weren't we told? Weren't we told that this child was to be the son of the living God? Aren't we standing here at the pinnacle of prophetic fulfillment in the life of not just Israel, but the world? And now we are fleeing under the cover of darkness with the Savior? Who do we blame for all of this trouble? Is it the devil? Is it demonic attacks? Is it just simply the chaos of the natural world, that the world is crazy and sometimes stuff happens? Who do we blame for this event that Mary and Joseph find themselves in? Verse 15 tells us that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt, I have called my son. Who do we blame for all this? What is causing all of this? Why is this happening? That it might be fulfilled. That which was spoken by the Lord. Chaos, danger, midnight escapes, no doubt major life disappointment for Mary and Joseph. 
This is not how they wanted to spend the first few years raising baby Jesus. All that it might be fulfilled. All that so prophetic fulfillment could be revealed in the life of Jesus Christ. I got a quick thought that God shared with me. I want to share with you. Maybe you're having the same thoughts. Why is this happening? Who is to blame for all of this trouble in the world? What demon should I rebuke? What stronghold should I, you know, call down? Maybe God hasn't abandoned you, though. Maybe the devil isn't fighting you. Maybe your world is not all the chaos that it seems to be. Maybe God is positioning you. He's positioning all of us for prophetic fulfillment. Look, I, I get it. The world is wild right now. There is, there is not one person that is not affected by the chaos that is in our culture. From COVID-19 to racial tension, all of us right now are being impacted by the one officer that knelt on the neck of George Floyd. All of us right now are having our life somewhat disrupted by the actions of two men that shot a Mount Arbery. All of us right now are living underneath the consequences of the decision makers and governments for the policies that they've made about how we are going to lock down, stay locked down, or maybe possibly reopen our life and our economy because of coronavirus. Not one single person is unaffected by all of this. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe your school shut down and you lost your graduation or you lost your year. Maybe your church had to be shut down and you did not have all of the tech because you're a church planter or you're pastoring in a rural area and the idea of dropping, you know, a few thousand dollars on camera and streaming equipment never entered your mind and now you're facing reopening and you're wondering what it's all going to look like. Maybe you're somebody listening right now and you feel like this year life got canceled for you. But also maybe, just maybe, all of this crazy that is going on is not for your destruction but it has all been for your destiny the destiny of the church of jesus christ don't get swept up in the hype of the worry and the fear and the doubt and the political hand-wringing god's got this he's got you perhaps the moment we are in right now in our culture is so that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the Lord through his prophets. So here's my challenge to you. Here's what God started speaking to me about. Stop looking for your old normal to come back and start looking and seeking for what God is trying to do right now. This is all part of God's plan. For the world, shopping may have been canceled, but God's plan for the church sure hasn't. He didn't cease to be God because the Rona took over. Like you, I, I, have, I have fought loneliness. I have faced stress. I have faced worry. But I also believe that we are right now in the middle of prophetic fulfillment. That God is positioning his church for a great end-time revival. 
and he wants you to be part of this purpose. And so perhaps all of the change in all of the things that have been shifted and pressured that have felt like evil or extraneous forces have forced upon you, maybe all of it at the end of the day has not been for your destruction or your detriment, but so that it might be fulfilled. That which was spoken of by the Lord. So, thinking through the application of this, of this thought. What words has God spoken over you that you have yet to act on? What things when you were at a conference or a camp, maybe you went to BOTT or NAYC or something your district put on for you and you were at the altar and God starts talking to your heart and you started crying, you know, hot tears and saying, Lord, I'll do this. I hear you calling me. What words has God spoken over you that he is now waiting on you to respond to? See, after God's word came to them through the angel, Joseph and Mary had to get up and move. The angel was going to warn them of what was coming. He was going to tell them what was coming. But if Mary and Joseph were going to live in that prophetic fulfillment and they were going to be that fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, they were going to have to get uncomfortable and get up and move and and leave where they were. What is God waiting on you to do? So if if you're a leader right now, what, what things has... Has God spoken to you about that you have shelved off in the life of your church for the distant future? That God is saying, okay, I've shaken up life enough now. Will you now do what I said? Will you now actually take the risk and do what I called you to do? Will you now launch that new ministry or launch that that new church? What, what What will you do? with what God has already spoken. Joseph and Mary had to get up and move, and so do you. What changes have you made during corona that you wish you would have made years ago that now you're reopening? You need to keep going. You need to keep pushing ahead with those changes in your organization or changes in your church. Every leader that's here, this has been an unprecedented time where you could have free experimentation without the worry of criticism because we're just responding to COVID-19. But now that you're reopening, what little voice in your head is ringing out and saying, don't go back to the way it was? What changes have you made that you need to keep in this crisis? What habits have you brought into your life that you need to keep? What is it that you need to do, Joseph, Mary, so that you could be positioned for God's prophetic fulfillment in your life, your world, and your sphere of influence. You may be saying, okay, Adam, you said this is about increasing my capacity. What does any of this have to do with increasing my capacity? Well, For me, it had to do with choosing to live in faith and a sense of God's sovereignty instead of fear and increase my capacity to challenge and suppress the carnal emotions that are inside of me that try to convince me 
that there are other forces in my life that are in control of the world and in control of me rather than God. This has increased my capacity and hopefully will increase your capacity too because you'll begin to view your life in the world and all of the things that you influence as perfectly positioned for what God is trying to do right now in the world. It also will help you understand that at times God lets chaos happen, that God lets plagues and pandemics descend upon the earth so that it can fulfill One of the things that it may do for you is it will challenge the notion of prosperity gospel that has resided in your head. I I can't I can't tell you how many times that I I feel that that Pentecostal people, that spirit filled apostolic people, that followers of Jesus have allowed the the ideology of of health and wealth and prosperity, that God will never let anything bad happen, that God will never let stressful things happen, that God will never use pain and chaos to be a driver in our life. God, God is wanting to increase your capacity by rooting that out of your spirit and helping you embrace the messiness of life and the season that you're in right now and saying, you know what, God, God, you're going to use pain. God, you're going to use chaos, and you're going to use the danger of the world to drive us into the place that you want us to be as your church and as your followers. Number two, it's going to increase your capacity. This word hopefully will increase your capacity because it will motivate you to move. You need to make a move whether it's in your life, whether it's with the organization that you lead or are a part of, it's time to make a move. It's time to get up from your place of sameness and be willing to get uncomfortable. Allow the threat and the noise and the chaos of this season to cause you to not overthink it, but just to get up And to make a move, make a move in your habits, make a move in your discipline, make a move in your methods, whatever it is, respond to the voice of God. I have become convinced that God is using the season we are in for his church. God is using the season we are in to drive us out of our comfort zones so that we can become agents of prophetic fulfillment. There are many things that God has spoken over your life, that God has spoken over your organization, your church, your team. Let's capitalize on the discomfort of this moment that we're in, the disruption of the moments that we all are in, to move in the direction that God is calling us to move into. I believe that this new season that we're about to to jump into as a church is going to take radical faith that just responds and moves when God speaks. That we're going to have to get over going to a conference to trying to, you know, figure out how to do it. Have to get over trying to get affirmation from three or four books that we read from the business world to figure out the the best methodology in order to do it. I believe God is trying to increase the capacity of our church by teaching us to truly be led by his spirit. 
to be able to respond to this uncharted territory that we now find ourselves in with faith and with instant movement. One of the amazing things that God has taught our leadership team here at our church is it's he's helped us shorten the time it takes to get stuff done. We used to have a thousand meetings. We used to draft up documents. Now we are we are pivoting hard and we are pivoting fast. Maybe that's what God is trying to get you to do in this season. Maybe he's not trying to get you to resign your church or or leave your field of ministry. What he's trying to get you to do is get you to be a person that knows how to move with a speed of action. Whatever it is, whatever God is speaking, whatever he is trying to accomplish with the pressure that he is bringing on your life, I want you to respond to it and make a move. Respond and increase your capacity to follow God's spirit and to live by faith. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. I want you to know that I'm sincerely praying for every leader here that listens. I read and I try to respond It's been a crazy, crazy few weeks uh, to every comment that someone sends in. So sometimes I'm really late, but to to every leader that that sends a message and and says, this is how the podcast has impacted you. I want you to know I read every single one of those. Uh, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for God's best. I know God wants to position you to become an agent of prophetic fulfillment. And together, and together, if we all will learn to follow God's voice and choose faith over fear and to just move in the direction he is calling us to move, I know that there will be a great season of harvest and revival awaiting for us as his church. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Share this with somebody if you think it'll help them and you have yourself a great day.